our leadership team, uh, it's been uh, now a week ago, we were uh, gathered and we were catching up because it was spring break for Williamson County spring break and Rob Sweet, our lead pastor, uh, other teaching pastor as he and I teach between Brentwood and Franklin, he was uh, talking about his trip to uh, uh, Disney over, over spring break. He's got three girls and he just said it was amazing. You know, we're so happy for him and they had an amazing time. Some of you I know were there. Of course, it's spring break, which means is crowded, right? And uh, so Rob talked about taking advantage of the fast pass, right? And, and, and I don't know what that, I didn't know what that was till I went down there some years ago. I'd never been till I'm, you know, till seven or eight years ago. But uh, many of you been, so you know, the fast pass is that option you have down there and the lines are long. You got a 90 minute, you know, it says 90 minutes to wait in this line. You queue up and you go, you know, 90 minutes in there. Or you can get a fast pass and, and you get the fast pass and it says, you know, if you'll come back at 120, uh, you just get right on. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't know why everybody didn't do it. I guess everybody didn't know, but, you know, they were doing that and allows you to, 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 to get, you know, online. It's kind of like a reservation at a, at a restaurant. You know, you walk in and everyone's in the area. You know, you're thinking, oh my gosh, you have to wait forever. And, you know, your wife, you know, someone at your party says, no, I made reservations. And it's kind of like, whoo. And you look at everybody and go, you know, and go straight through and get your seat, you know, just like you do in the fast pass people. You know, you've been in those lines and you're going, daddy, why are they going so fast? <laughs> well, daddy didn't get a fast pass, you know? So, this area of, of life, it's very fascinating to me that um, to avoid waiting is big business, massive business segment uh, that technology companies and others to, to help us avoid waiting. Um, many of you have seen the clear booths at some airports, not at all airports yet, but clear is you know, it's like TSA on steroids. Those of, you, those of you get the TSA pre-check, you know, you get to go through and look at all of us standing in line, non-travelers, you know, and you walk through and don't have to take off your shoes. Well, clear, if you give them your fingerprints, your irises, and give them everything, you know, I guess, your DNA, they, uh, you, you just go through like nothing, like the old days, you know, you just walk through there and, and get on the plane. And they've moved out of, not moved out of, they're still expanding in airports, okay? But they, they do clear now, you know, at major sports venues, concert venues. So, you know, the playoffs get going at, at, for the Predators and you go down there, it's pouring rain. You gotta go through security, the line's backed up. But if you have your clear clearance, you just walk straight in. This is arguable, but I, I think in some ways, uh, waiting is our modern day leprosy. Like we shun waiters, you know, wait, people that wait. Because I'm serious, think about it. We, uh, we, what we do so that we don't have to wait. Carol Bruce is a professor at St. Thomas College in Minneapolis. She specializes in communication behavior and writes this of, Waiting, I think she says it well, quote, we live in one of the most individualistic cultures in the world, which means we want what we want and we want it now and it better be quick and it better be easy. At the end of the day or at the end of the line, our choices about lines comes down to a basic tenet of human behavior, meeting and fulfilling needs. If what comes at the front of the line is important enough to us, we'll wait for it 
end quote. I'm gonna add this. If it's not, we'll wait, grumbling, or we just won't wait. How many of us choose not to wait anymore for many things? James 5, 7 through 11, Connie just read it. This is James landing the plane. So, so, you know, we've been in this some 15 weeks and this is the beginning of the end of the letter, the beginning of the end. And what he does is he takes us all the way back to the beginning, like a good writer. And you remember one, chapter one, verse two, consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials. And the whole book is woven that theme throughout. And now he's gonna come back and as he begins to land this plane, he brings us to what is I, I think it may be the most common, okay, if not most difficult trial that all of us face. Waiting. Just waiting. There's no one looking at me right now. There's no one looking at me right now that's not waiting in some capacity or degree. Waiting on someone, waiting on something. It could be anything, but we wait it is part of our fallenness. And as I said earlier, you know, we pay people so we don't have to wait. We, we buy things so that we don't have to wait. We avoid it. And yet what we're gonna find, James says, is wait. It's waiting is one of God's signature tools for our maturity and growth in Christ's likeness and it's no exaggeration to say, because he says it here, waiting is one of the paths to his blessing. So you want his blessing, but it's, there's waiting to get to the, to the blessing itself. So with this text, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna simplify this because we've, we've got some things that, that, that are part of this message I want to get to, and, I, and, and I'll still treat the whole, but I'm gonna simplify it in this way, and when you look at the passage, there is a primary command, okay? There's a couple commands in here, but there's a primary command that others fit under. And then there are three examples, pretty simple. There's the outline, there's this primary command he gives us, and then there's these three examples. And we're gonna have a real life example with us this morning. Start with the primary command. Look again at verses seven through nine. Therefore, be patient, Primary command, brethren, until the coming of the Lord, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient. Okay, we got that about it. Until it gets the early and late rains, you too, be patient. Repetition, three times in two verses. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another so that, you're, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Let's stay in our context. That's why we teach the way we do. We're in the book of James. The context being Rob taking us through verses one through six last week by which we noted there were these um, wealthy individuals, uh, people of means, probably not Christians, but landowners, business owners that were, quite frankly, mistreating the Christians in this small house church because they worked for them, but they were withholding wages. They, they, were, they were withholding from them so that the rich could live more luxuriously. luxuriously. It's not right. 
And so when we pick up verse seven and it says, therefore, you know, we always gotta go, why is it, what's it there for? We gotta look back and go, oh, oh, they were being mistreated. Uh, life threw them a curveball. They did something, they deserved this, but they weren't getting what they deserved. Uh, they were, and, and what, what does James say? If you're mistreated, if, if life didn't go the way you wanted, if there's some roadblocks in front of you, be patient. That's the great command in this. Be patient. Uh, it's one Greek word, that command, be patient. Macro, uh, it, it, it means long um, uh, or far, macro, and then thumos. This is the root word, thumos. And that, that has to do with, uh, and you'll get this when we think about it, passion. It has to do with, with honestly, heat, uh, even the extreme of, of rage. Uh, to be, be patient is that it takes you macro a long time to get hot. That's, that's the idea. You know, the words often in King James, long-suffering. It's to be long-tempered rather than short-tempered. It means the distance. I want you to think about like a fuse. When you light a fuse and you light this fuse over here, and at this point, you're calm. You're curious, you're engaged, you're present, but something's going on in interaction and your fuse is burning and the fuse burns and, and, and next thing you know, you're just, you know, you're speaking, saying things that you, I didn't need to say that, you know, you lost your temper, you're not long-tempered. James says, be patient. In other words, have a long fuse. Have a long fuse from here before you ever get to what you say. And by the way, because I won't go into depth on this, I want you to notice verse nine. When you're impatient, notice what's going on in them. Do not complain against one another. Mm. So when you're impatient, kind of shows up and you're complaining with one another. Verse 12, don't make an oath. Above all, brethren, do not swear either by heaven or earth. They, they were, they were uh, making oaths where they're saying, by the altar this, or, or by God this, and you don't, make, you don't do that. It's just yes or no. The point I want you to see in these two things is that impatience is probably most often expressed by our words. And it's like James is not gonna let go of the tongue, is he? Why? Because our tongue and our words, this is what sets the forest aflame. And this is what gives life from the same mouth. Our patience is most evident in what we don't say. You ever think about that? You know, you never get patted on the back for what you don't say. That's probably maybe the most significant evidence of patience, what you don't say. Lisa's car had some trouble a week ago. And you know, it's just like you, I'm just normal, you know, I'm normal like you, I got cars that don't work, you know? And um, this car was, had a fan thing that went off and it was right here at church, went dead and found this fan's running, we gotta go get it replaced. So I take it in to get it fixed and this needs a new fan to cool the engine because it's running down the battery and need a new fan motor. I kid you not, and you guys, you guys do the same thing. I, you know, I've got a, it's a older, you know, we use cars, whatever. 
The part costs one-fourth of the value of the car. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, do you see, I, I mean, new cars today, it's unbelievable. I can't believe it because when I'm there, I'm, I'm looking at the new cars. I'm, I'm kind of walking around dreaming and I'm going, no way, you know, so I'm going to pay for that. So I get it. We get, the, we get it fixed, motor's fixed. I go pick it up. When, when I'm driving out, I hear this, uh, this uh, things kind of, it sounds like a fan still, like the, like the problem. And I'm thinking, well, it's probably needs to warm up or something. I don't know. It needs to, so, but whatever, but we drive it. So Lisa drives it two or three days later. She says, Lloyd, this, this making this crazy noise or whatever. I go, oh my gosh. So now I got to go back in. So, um, I got to take, so she, she gets my car and you know how this goes. You got to, this is first world problems, you know, we're got to take a car and they got to figure out how to get everybody around. And, the point of this is, though, you know, when the problem happened, my fuse got lit, right? So it's burning. And then I go, this problem's not going away. I got to take it back, you know? And so by the time I got over here that I took it back in, you know, I said, say to the guy, you know, this is, I brought it in to be fixed for this problem. And now it's making this noise, you know, it's, it's quite an inconvenience and I, I, I was pretty good at this point in, in what I was saying. And this is God is my witness. You know, I, I, was, I was okay. I mean, I wasn't going off, you know, like I do. And uh, so he got, I got a rental car and, and, and just like you, you get a car, you just go on. Life, this is life. You keep going. Well, two days later, I get a call and, uh, from the service saying, Mr. Shadrach, how you doing? Yeah. Um, this is Ellis over. Donna. And um, I said, uh, he said, no, we got to. What we think this is, is this. And I go, wait, wait, wait. I brought it in for this. And, and, and you're saying it's this, but I didn't have this problem when I brought it in. I had this problem. So you guys did something to fix my problem and it sounds like you created another problem. Well, Mr. Shadrach, that's not exactly what happened here. And, I, and, I'm, and now at this point, my fuse is like, I'm like, Alice, man, I just spent this. I'm not gonna spend this. And, and I do, I'm not alone in this, you know? And by that point though, the, you know, my fuse had, had burned. And I said things I shouldn't have said. You know, I, I did. I just said things that I don't, I'm not gonna tell you what I said. <laughs> Isn't that true? That's the truth. You get mad and you go, oh, you know, you do that. Now, this is not, it's not, you know, he's speaking here of complaining against each other. In the church, you know, this guy doesn't go to fellowship. He's not in the body. He may be a believer, you know, but, but the point being, hmm, it is often our tongue that betrays a lack of patience. That's the point. It'll be often our tongue that betrays a lack of patience. Well, that's the primary command. Now, I'm gonna hit three examples, and I'm gonna hit them very quickly because you can get them. I mean, we get them as we hit them. So he says, here's three examples. The first one is, he says, be patient like the farmer. That's verse seven. He says, behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Uh, wait is, uh, it's a Greek word with these two parts. Ek means out. Ek means out. And then dekomai, it means to receive. And I'm kind of going, I'm, I'm like, you yeah, I'm going out, receive? What are we talking about? It says wait. Well, it's, you know, what's, it's to receive what's beyond you. 
what's out, it's to receive it. And this thought of wait, we sang this, we wait patiently, we wait expectantly. So I want you to get this when it comes to wait and that word wait. It's not a resigned frustration. You know, you guys wait to get your uh, tags renewed, you know, you, or you wait to get the, you know, the, uh, uh, the fumes checked on your car, you know, and you're going, oh my gosh, I gotta wait because I gotta do this around my car. That's resigned uh, frustration, but this is a confident expectation. Think about the farmer. We're not, most of us not farmers, but the idea being you can't make the early rains come that soften the ground. You can't make the late rains come that make the, the wheat blow up, you know, to have a good full fruit. You can't do that. You do, the farmer does what he can and then he trusts God to do what only he can do. There's, James says in here, um, you too be patient, verse eight, strengthen your hearts. I'm gonna give you three principles that I think come out of these three examples to strengthen our hearts. And it's not rocket science, but we often miss it. And when it comes to the farmer, you know, he, like, like us, I don't know if any of us back in the floods of 2010, you know, we, we, we were praying that the flooding would not get us or hurt people or whatever, but no one I don't think went to bed at night thinking and worrying about how you could stop the rain. I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you, when the spirit, that was not, uh, I really should stop right there. You know, that was not Joe. I'm telling you, he's not shaking tin. You can't stop the rain, you can't make the thunder. You know, you go, I can't, you can't do that. And, and none of us this morning, you didn't go to bed last night going, what can I do to make the sunrise? Because you can't. And what we need to note here is, there's a principle and it's, it's pretty simple. If you're gonna be patient and you're gonna strengthen your heart with this, you need to strengthen your heart with this reality. I can't make rain. I can't make rain rain. There are things in this life you cannot do. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how smart you are. Doesn't matter if you're, you know, richest people in the world. And this is very interesting to me that patience, in a sense, this isn't everything on patience, but patience begins with a recognition and an acceptance of what you cannot do. In other words, we don't say, you know, you need to be more patient and, and, and that's it. No, you gotta go, what is the Bible saying? What's James, James is saying that patience, you know, it begins with going, you know what, I can't make rain. That's where patience begins, your inability, not your ability which means this, impatience at a core level is an expression of pride. So the fuse is lit and it's burning on you and suddenly you're saying things, you go, I shouldn't say that, I didn't need to say that, et cetera. Well, what just came out of you is what's in you and it's an expression of pride. <laughs> I can make it rain. I'm gonna rain on this person, <laughs> in fact. Um, but it's not patience. Be patient like the farmer. The second example, be patient like the prophets. This is, I think, again, self-evident. Verse 10, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. Y'all, if you ever didn't want a job description, quite frankly, sometimes we think we wanted it, but I, trust me, you don't. It's the job of the prophet in the Old Testament or new. You know, they do some amazing things, but the prophet's role is to speak God's truth. And generally, when you speak God's truth on planet Earth, uh, you die. And that's a fact. 
You think about Hebrews. This is not speaking of the prophets specifically, but there are prophets who experienced this. What did, what did those prophets experience? Mocking, scourgings, chains, imprisonment, stone, sawn two, tempted, put to death with a sword, had nowhere to put their head, wandering in the desert, caves, holes in the ground. Listen, they made, the prophets you see made, spoke God's promises, but they died and they never came true in their life. And it, yet it says, we, we know they were blessed. That's a head scratcher, isn't it? In a way, if we're gonna go by our own reasoning of blessing and life, I'll say more on that in a moment. Here's another principle I wanna offer. If we're gonna strengthen our hearts with patience, we, we need to accept, it's the same thing, recognize and accept this principle. I can't change a heart. So I've given you two, he's given us two. I can't make it rain. I can't change a heart. So the prophets, you see, their responsibility was to speak the truth, but they had no responsibility, truly no responsibility to change a heart because they couldn't. Can you imagine, and we, we, you and I can experience this where we feel like, well, I've done everything so that they'll do this. I've done all this so they'll do this. And people break your heart and they don't do what you just clearly told them to do or explain to them to do, whatever it may be. You cannot change a heart. If you've got a boss that doesn't understand you and you're underpaid, I mean, you can present everything, but you can't change a heart. You've got a child that's, that's, that's rejecting what you've always taught them and you never thought that would happen. I mean, it's like they had all the benefits of this and yet, you know, they gotta grow up and be their own and you can't change their hearts. I mean, you know, when they're little, you can ensure their obedience, so to speak. But you and I know this, those of you who are parents, there comes a point in the age of your children, you can't make them obey, you know? You may have a spouse that refused to engage and deal with an addiction to give up a relationship that's improper, to work, to give up all the work. Maybe there's someone you've told Christ about for years. And uh, it's just like every time, the more you talk, the more hard their heart gets. Patience begins with a recognition and acceptance. We cannot make it rain. And patience deepens as we recognize we cannot change a heart. And then finally, he says, be patient like Job, the third example verse 11. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord's full of compassion and merciful. I don't need to recount fully the story of Job. You know it. Started off with more than you and I will ever have in life. Lost it within minutes, within minutes. All his possessions. He was a wealthy man. And think of this, 10 children, 10, within minutes, gone. They're gone. And in that, we note, the scripture says that Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Then Satan came back, and God gave Satan permission to, you know, to get him physically. And so, you know, sores, boils, you know, physical illness, health. You talk about the great equalizer. And in that poor state of health, you know, Job, he showed his colors and, and uh, honestly, it wasn't pretty. You know, he got upset. He got upset with his friends and rightly so. He got upset with his wife who said, curse God and, you know, die, you know. And, but 
what we have to say is, regardless of what we see in that story, the scripture is clear. I'm telling you, somebody needs to get saved today. (laughs) You know, I don't know what else to say, but if you, you know, someone needs to trust Christ if you haven't. I would be thinking that. Job is, uh, he, 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 the scripture's clear that he didn't forsake his God, okay? And, and here's the principle. Let me just say the principle in this way. Patience begins when we recognize we cannot make it rain. It deepens when we recognize and accept we can't change a heart. And then Job teaches us this, patience flourishes, quite frankly, when we recognize and accept that we can't explain God's ways. You cannot, you will not explain all of God's ways. Job didn't wait perfectly, you all, and neither will you, okay? But he waited faithfully and he waited honestly. So his, you know, getting mad at God and those things, that's the Psalms, I mean, that's life. But he continued to trust God. When God finished speaking with Job toward the end of the book, God was in his place and Job was in his place. And Job said this, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you, therefore I retract and repent in dust and ashes. How about that? It's kind of like, I I thought I knew you, but now I know you. We often, I often hear people say, you know, when I get to heaven, God's gonna explain to me this, or when I get to heaven, I'm gonna ask God about this, and not to burst your bubble, because I don't know everything, but I'll just say what's in the scripture. God never promised to answer all your questions. Not in this life or the one to come. You know, so if you're kind of hanging on to that, it's not a promise of God that he, you know, when you get to heaven, I'll answer all your questions. I'll tell you why that happened. He doesn't say that. I'll tell you what the Bible does say is that when you and I get to heaven, having put our faith and trust in Christ, we will know without a shadow of a doubt, verse 11, the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. You'll know that in a way that we just barely taste it right now. Job didn't get the questions fully answered, but what he got was a greater revelation of God. Think about it. So he didn't get those questions, but he got a greater revelation of God. And if we think about it spiritually, I think we'd understand that getting our question answered is meager fare compared to the feast of, oh, I see God now in ways I didn't. Now, that can happen right now on this planet, see? That's part of the Christian life. Some of those prophets who died got sawn in two and ended up in, you know, dried wells. Um, And then we got Job who ends up with more than he ever had. Explain that to me. Why did they get, and Job got, oh, I don't know, and neither do you, but that's what happened. Last point I wanna make, did you notice three times in seven and eight, James tied our patience to the coming of the Lord. 
I didn't miss that. I want you to know, and that's very important. He speaks of the fact, okay? It's a fact, verse seven. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. He speaks of the nearness in eight and nine. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Behold the judge, this is the Lord's coming, the second coming of the Lord. The judge is right at the door, you see? So it's, it's a fact and there's a great nearness. Um, when I was in the fifth grade, we had just moved back from an army base in Germany to Fort Knox, Kentucky, and uh, the school systems, you know, I'm, on, I went, I'm an army brat and went to these military school systems, and when I got to Fort Knox, apparently they were doing things different than we had done in Germany. I'm in fifth grade, and the teachers asked me to come up to the board and do a division problem, which I went up, and I attempted, you know, I, I, I did it, what I, I just know I did what I thought I needed to do. And I'm standing in front of the classroom. The board's behind me. I write this thing up on the board. My teacher was Mrs. Morgan, an older lady, kind of grandmotherly type lady. And uh, I'm still standing up in front of the classroom. You know, it's my first day. And um, she says, uh, class, is this the way we do division? No, Miss Morgan, you know? And I'm just like, you know, I'm just bawling, you know, in fifth grade. And as I was tell, thinking of this story, I went, you know, I just told you all about my second grade experience and you're wondering how did he get out of elementary school with all these <laughs> crises and trauma in his life? Well, I got out, but um, man, I bawled all day, you know? And so whenever we went to a new school, I was the youngest of three, uh, my dad would, would take us to that school. We wouldn't have to ride the bus right away. And my dad would have a conversation with me, I'm assuming he had it with his others or maybe just had it with me, but he would say, Lloyd, when you go to school today, if anything happens, you tell me and I'll take care of it. And uh, so I'm sitting there thinking, man, I can't wait for dad to get here, you know? And uh, so he came and I only say this with the greatest of respect and delight, my dad could really cuss like, he was good. I mean, and you know, this is, you know how some people, God forgive me, but you know how some people cuss and you kind of look at them and go, you're not a good cuss. You don't, that didn't, you're not very good. But my dad, man, he just would go. And, and uh, I told my dad what happened. I did not, I was not in the conference, but I never had a problem with Miss Morgan after that. That's the truth. That's a, that's a, a very true story. Um, and I say that to go, you know, I don't know if I was patient in fifth grade. All I know is this, I knew my dad was coming. You know, when school's out, my dad's gonna be there. And, and, and Lisa and I have taken this posture with our children and, and you know, with, um, as my dad took with me. My dad, my dad stood behind me. You know, I know some of you may differ on this. I, I, this is coming, I'll probably have to edit this off the tape, but I'm gonna say it, you know. I always let my kids know I'm standing behind you. Not the teacher per se. I'm gonna respect the teacher, but I trust you. I believe, I'm gonna believe you. And, uh, and my dad did. And I say that to say when the, when the, when the, uh, you know, the fuse is lit and, and your impatience is running thin before you grumble with each other, as he says here, before you, you know, start making an oath and trying to qualify your truths and all that stuff, before you get to this point where you're saying things you know you need not say, can we stop and recognize, as James tells us, and goes, you know, this is wrong. I'm being mistreated. This is not the way I'd want to go. But you know, in the next moment that I open my mouth, Jesus could be here. Now, we know he's here in, in the Holy Spirit, but he could return in that moment. That's the imminent return of Christ. 
And when he does, he's gonna set everything right. So we're feeling like we're mistreated. He will set everything right forever. And that which is driving us crazy with the impatience, whatever it may be, it's, it's gonna be resolved, restored, redeemed. Do not separate the patience God invites us to from the reality that Jesus could return at any moment. I want to invite a very special guest up here to join me, uh, Stefan Veal. Stefan is our partner in uh, Potsdam. It's former East Germany. Let's welcome Stefan up. Some of you know him, some of you may not. Um, Stefan and Nate Bruns, uh, Nate and Brittany Bruns. Nate and Brittany left three years ago to work there. They're with a different ministry, but they're partnered with Stefan in the church plant. And weeks ago, quite frankly, we knew Stefan would be in town. And so we plan around, I want Stefan to say a few words. And then when I got to this passage, I said, you know, I, I would love to teach, but I'd also love to let Stefan speak to us about patience. He does work, and, and Nate, the team, in some of the hardest soil in the world, most certainly in Europe, the former East Germany. And Stefan, I'd love for you, I, I just said, Stefan, I'm gonna throw, you, throw this to you and say, tell us what patience has looked like in your world, you know, in, in your life as you have committed yourself and taken your family into this thing called a, a church plant. By the way, it's 10 years we've been partnering with Stefan. And afterwards, there's gonna be a reception over here, 1230 over here in the barn over here. Uh, I hope you'll come back after the third service to join us. So, Stefan, patience in your life, personally and corporately, as you lead. When I got this email. Are you on? Yeah, you're on. Yeah. Zeke, you got him up? When I got this email, I thought, oh, could we please talk about love? Oh, you Why <laughs> talking about patience? <laughs> but this rain, this sound is a reminder that God is able to change hearts. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Let's go. God changes <laughs> it. I know. And um, God is a holy God and he's a funny God. So when we la left last Friday to fly to Chicago, we had to be at the airport at 4.30 or 4.45. And thinking about patience, 60 exchange students arrived one minute earlier than we did. <laughs> and they all lined up there, and we waited and waited and waited. And then someone said, I saw you already have the boarding pass, so you can pass and go this way. And that was a brilliant uh, <laughs> explanation. And uh, so to apply the topic of patience. So I'm personally not a, a very patient person. And I was always wondering, why did God pick me to become a church planter in that area where we are minister now? And the answer is that it's the same reason, because he picked you, and you, and you, it's not about us. Mm -hmm. It's about him, and his glory, and his aims, and whatever. So. Talking about patience, teaching about patience, 
is a lot more easy than becoming patient. Mm -hmm. So the way to become more patient is needs a lot of patience. <laughs> so in our ministry, that that means some of you remember the the little video I shared a couple of years ago where my wife and I were struggling. Would we ever see some fruit in this ministry? Are we allowed to be some fruit or should we do that without seeing anything? Um, and God was, is faithful and he's patient and we are allowed to see some fruits. But I want to share two small stories with you. Um, one couple became very good friends with us nine years ago. And I think there's no other people on this planet I shared the gospel more often with like this couple. I think with him, I'm not kidding, 70, 80 times, everywhere. They are attending a worship service. They, are, they have been part of the discovery class for doubters and seekers. They, he's in my small group. He's reading, uh, he's reading the scripture in our worship services and still not yet a believer. And he said, I, I cannot believe. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, in my small group, all of a sudden he started praying loud. I started crying. A German guy in a man's small group started crying. That's not <laughs> usual. <laughs> Last Thursday, my wife came home from her small group where his wife was coming after pausing for two years the very first time. And she came home crying and said, do you know what happened tonight? She prayed for the very first time loud. So it's still a long way to go, mm -hmm. and it needs a lot of patience. I don't know, but you might have someone in mind, your neighbor, colleague, family member. I don't know why God's way is like it is. Um, and even when we are allowed to see people changing and hearts, God is changing in His grace some hearts, it needs a lot of patience to disciple people. So I'm, I'm thinking about a young guy in his early 30s. He became a believer a couple of years ago, two years ago, three years ago. So how to disciple someone who never heard the word disciple or discipleship, where no one single family member or friends have been Christians? So we as a church have to be that, family and friends. But he's still struggling with former life issues and behaviors and longings and all that. So for us, the main question is how to talk into someone's life. What does it mean when Paul said you become a Jew for the Jews, a Gentile for the Gentiles? What does it mean to be an East German for the East Germans? What does it mean, really mean, to be an atheist for the atheist without becoming an atheist. Mm -hmm. What does it really mean? And for me that I'm a task-oriented person. I want to fix and I want to see results. And that scripture that I, I desperately, desperately need that gospel reminder. I can't make it rain. I can't make someone change. Um, I can't make someone grow. And uh, I can't explain God's ways. Mm -hmm. But 
God is patient with us, mm-hmm. so we better be that with others. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why he picked us to be in that context to start mm-hmm. the church plant. And now he gave us the big, bigger picture of, I, it's not just this one church. So I want you to start 10 more churches in the 10 biggest cities of former East Germany. I don't know how. I know why. So thanks for letting us being here again. Mm-hmm. And thanks for being for 10 years supporting and praying and cheering for us. That's Absolutely. really good. Thank you. Well, it's good for us. And I want to take those words. Stefan said, God is patient with us. Like we're called to be patient. Now think about God's patience with you. It's inexhaustible. The fuse is eternal. Let's stand together, please. Stephen, thank you. We exalt the one, the only one, the rainmaker, the heart changer, the God explainer, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. In Christ and only in Christ can we be patient. Can't do it apart from him. His spirit lives in us to reproduce his his very patience to ourselves and to others and to those around us. I've asked Stefan to read a blessing, a benediction over us and only the Germans in the room will understand it, but I think we'll hear it in our hearts. It's no heresy, it's scripture from Hebrew. <laughs> der Gott des Friedens, der den großen Hirten seiner Schafe, unseren Herrn Jesus von den Toten auferweckt hat, nachdem er mit dessen Blut den neuen, ewig gültigen Bund besiegelt hat. Dieser Gott möge euch die Kraft geben, all das Gute zu tun, das nach seinem Willen durch euch geschehen soll. Durch Jesus Christus möge er in unserem Leben das bewirken, woran er Freude hat. Ihm gebührt die Ehre für immer und ewig. Amen. Amen. To every tongue and tribe and nation we go, starting right here where we live, work and play. I want to invite you to come up front if you want someone to pray with. You know, sometimes you just, you go, I I wasn't thinking of this, but I think I would like someone to pray with me. And there'll be people up here to pray with you. So come up here to pray. And if you want to come up and uh, give Stefan a hug or say hello, we want to welcome you to do that as well. God bless you. You are dismissed.